it's on like Boltron. We are here in the Burbank Studios, Crazy Funny Asians, with my dog sitting on my lap, and the beautiful and talented Miss Edelyn O'Connor. Woo! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Echo sitting on my lap right now. So, yes. I wanted to bring you here because I first wanted to talk about where I most recently saw you and just how proud I was to see you on stage at East West Players at Mamma Mia and just how much it reminded me of how much the Asian American community here is in a lot of ways centered around East West mm -hmm. but it always it's always nice to go home is what I mean like because at the end of the show when you you're hanging out and there's everybody's just hanging out and hugging and taking pictures and it's just it was really it was a wonderful overall experience but I mean the show itself I mean everything about it yeah. but I just wanted you to tell your crazy funny Asian story about Mama Mia but also everything like your whole thing because you have been doing it for a, as for long as minute. I we've been doing it for a minute well we've been <laughs> doing it for a minute but not only that we've been we've been we've known each other for a while you yeah, were yeah. you were one of the first women in one of the mini Pacquiao episodes. Yes, I was. And she improvised her way onto the onto the <laughs> show too. She was like, "Who's this little man?" <laughs> no, but it was great. It was great. So tell me, tell me, tell me about you, Adeline. Uh, well, so let's talk about Mamma Mia first. Okay, yeah, to talk like, about Mamma Mia, we were, of course, yeah, for sure. Wanted to know about. So yeah, Mamma Mia was a dream, um, and and I love that you use the word home because. Um, I think East West players for me, and this was asked actually at one of the talkbacks, like how, what, like how do I, what does East West players mean to me was the question, and mm -hmm. I, I actually s said that it was a home mm -hmm. for for me, and it's yeah. a, it's been a home for um, many Asian American actors in LA, and and uh, also kind of a. Um, rite of passage, I think, for a lot of mm -hmm. Asian actors. Caesar and I said that it's like you're yeah. not really a working, you're not really you're not really a legit actor until, until you've, you've gone through East West. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, I because I mean, when you think about the history of the people who've been on that stage, it's yeah. pretty incredible. It is really incredible, um, and this is their. I want to say I should know this, but it was like their 50, 54th, I thought. 54th year? Yeah, fifty fourth. Yeah, no, so, I was I was reading. I do my yeah, research. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah to, to to know that there is that kind of history, and certainly to to have the privilege to when you're backstage and you see sort of like you know there's obviously tons of photos mm -hmm. and archives that that you know they've collected and and displayed mm -hmm. just to see some of the faces like uh, Mako. Um, oh, I mean, just I mean everybody. Yeah. Anybody who's every like if you anybody you may have seen on TV or film that's mm -hmm. Asian American has passed through those doors. Well, we had James Hong that yeah. came after one I mean, of our that, performances. That's, and, I saw I, that. It was I incredible. He's I, I put on I put on the crazy funny Asians uh, Facebook page that he yes. is a uh, he's a bucket list podcast guest. So James Hong, if you if you're hearing this and oh my god, ever so humble, I would please love for you to come to my house. I mean, you have like how many credits? I mean, you could do this one. It's a small independent credit, but it would be crazy funny Asians. James Hong, oh my god, that'd be great. Yes, it would be amazing. Woo. Plus, James, he serves delicious pastries and has an incredible dog. I'll set you up, man. I'll set you up, James. Whatever you want, you could have like a rider. Send me a rider. Whatever you need. Yeah. Um, um, no, but I, I I I wanted to talk to you a lot about how. The Filipina representation and the Filipino representation in Mamma Mia was like on point. It was, I mean, it was. It wasn't even on point. It was like when when she said Tita. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I cried. Yeah. I was I, I, I was literally emotionally moved when they when she said Tita in the script. I was like. Oh. Well, you know, I want to give a lot of credit to Sine Hall uh, Desai, who is the artistic director of East West. And also I'm so glad I pronounced director. his first name right. Yeah, <laughs> I Sine said it in the Hall. podcast. Um, because he also directed our show. Yeah, no, I... I and, and I know that going into it, I don't think there was, um, you know, when, the, when they first thought of doing Mamma Mia, that it was going to be a sort of Filipino-themed mm -hmm, right. Mamma Mia. I think just because of the fact that when, when they did finally have the full cast and a majority of us happened to be mm -hmm. Filipino, and then, you know, through the rehearsal process, um, 
the different actors that, you know, Anthea Neri, who played uh, Tanya, and certainly Joan Amadelia. Oh, man, Joan is... Right? Joan is a... Jaw-dropping, just just incredible. I was, like, bowing to her after after the show. She was incredible. Well, let me go back to Joan. Of course. Yeah, don't worry. You you tell your Joan story. Tell everything you want to know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, you know, we were playing, as you do, in Mm -hmm. in rehearsal, and, you know, Anthea started to sort of bring, you know, the Filipino accent Mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. it, and, and, and... I give credit to Sine Hall for being a great director going, you know what? That actually works. Mm-hmm. I really like that. And I like sort of other different yeah. um, choices you're making. It's but, your show, and, man. You could do whatever you yeah, want to it. It's so great. So then for him to make it, you know, we brought the tnickling into it. That's okay. Right? I was just about to say, because I have not ever really like I cheered when they said Avengers Assemble in Endgame but I have not <laughs> I not I've not I can't remember when I, I last cheered in live theater and when girl when I saw Tina Kling I was like yes yes Woo! Yeah. I was I, it, it, it 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 oh man the whole thing was so yeah. awesome the whole thing was was it was incredible was so much fun and it definitely brought it brought the cast together in a in a big way because it became you know this this feeling of pride. It it made a feeling mm-hmm. of like, well, you know, yes, uh, this is East West is certainly a theater of color and not just Filipinos. You know, right. but you know when it's something that you know that you can recognize because it's really culturally who you are. Oh man! And you can share that in a story that really everybody, regardless of what you know um, ethnicity you are, it's about family. It's about right. love. It's about getting yeah. people together, reconnecting with old loves, connecting. You know, and 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 wanting to bring. Uh, a community together in order to celebrate a wedding and to yeah. celebrate each other. It's, I mean, it's um, all universal themes. It's all universal themes, but with a Filipino flavor that I think really was a huge reason why the show was so successful. Because, you know, obviously with a show like this, with theater in general, you know, we're not getting put on millions of movie screens all over the world. Not so yet. It's, you know, not, <laughs> not yet. Um, but, you know, so we do... We do have to rely on word of mouth to mm-hmm. get people to come no, to the theater. Yeah, and I think because of that, because it was such a very All the titas strong, came. All the titas came. Everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, even Both the titos, titos probably, yes. all of them came. Yeah. Yes. I wanted to bring oh, yes. my mom. My mom ended up not be, being able to go, but I was so happy that my daughter and my nephew came. Yes. And it was funny because AJ has a, a video with Minnie Pacquiao. Oh, he does. Yeah, okay. we we did a thing where we were we were at the Cababayan Fest in San Francisco mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. and <laughs> he grabs my breast, okay. and he squeezes it, mm-hmm. and he gives me a little titty twister, and I go, "Oh my God, AJ touched my booby," <laughs> <laughs> and that was the cut to the AJ's performance, but. That video is one of my. That was one of the most successful videos because AJ. We were just talking about AJ with it's impressive it's so AJ is a superstar he definitely um, well you know he sang for Obama right I did not know yeah he sang for Obama like we had a little moment because of the moment like we had that you know the grab the titty moment at, at the at the in the Cababayan Festival with the video yeah. together. So we've, we've, we've known each other for a while. We, okay. And my buddy who does my mini Pacquiao animation, shout out to Tim Siginson, um, he uh, does animation for AJ a lot. So we were connected in that, in that way too. But AJ, man, I've seen that kid grow into a man. Like he's, like I had a little moment after with him, like we were to, to, to get back to Mamma Mia. Yeah. And the parking lot and that whole community of wonderful people. Yeah. Like, I had a little moment with him where I just, I gave him a hug and I, like, I was like, from the moment when you grabbed Minnie Pacquiao's titty till now, <laughs> man, I, I, I mean, I've, I see you, man. I, and yeah. it was, and I was so, my, my exact quote was, I'm so fucking proud of you. Well, because he's so I, he's so it, it, it's impressive. I think what's what's impressive about um, about AJ. And also Jules, who is also in our cast. Oh, Jules, but, too. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. They've used song and music they've in such a wonderful way. They've used their in a way. Um, but also they've, they're, they're, they've taken YouTube and Instagram and utilized it, I think, for good. You know, because obviously we all have our different opinions about social media. And sure, there's, sure. There's a good and bad aspect of it. Certainly, it's not all great. No. But when you can take your talent and something you're definitely passionate about and you can create content that... You know, obviously has a let's say positive and good message oh, yeah. overall, 
and um, use that as a way to showcase who you are and your talents and and get it out into the world. I think you know people like AJ for creating the content that he he has created and also bringing in. Uh, Friends, collaborators, and you know people in, in the Filipino community mm-hmm. uh, um, at large oh, yeah. onto his channel and to share their talents is really it's it's what I what I think makes him very unique and special in that way. Well, I always thought about it. whenever I listen to his music, I'm always like, man, I wish I had a AJ Raphael when yeah. I was yeah. in high school, wanting to woo a a, a young young woman to be like, hey, would you like me here? Listen to this juice juice box song. <laughs> you know, yeah. I like it. It was, uh, he he really is the voice of his generation as far as musically and he, and it was so cool to see him on stage and be so funny and, and, and perform so well and just uh, I, the whole cast was brilliant but for me, I have a little pl- special place in my heart because of the mini Pacquiao connection with AJ where it's just like this young little kid, this kid that's made his mark on YouTube and now he's even acting and, you know, just doing his thing. It and it's special, yeah. It, it's a very, he's a very special kid and it's very cool to, cool to see him grow. But we ain't here to talk about AJ. <laughs> AJ will be here on the show one day. Sure, sure is enough. One day AJ will be on the show. Right, AJ? I hope so. Hope you're listening. But anyway, we're here to talk about you, Adeline. Well, thank you. Well, no, we are. (laughs) We are. I mean, we've been been on on, on a few, your IMDb pages, Mm -hmm. you know, you got a lot lot of TV credits. Yeah. And and you're you're doing your thing as far as that goes, and you're just a working actress. Yeah. Basically, just grinding. Yeah, I'm grinding. I'm, I'm still keeping at it. I definitely, you know... I'm at that place right now in my career where it definitely is, you know, it's still the thing that gets me up in the morning. It's still, it is still the goal to just keep, um, keep on keeping on. And, and, you know, I, I definitely have lofty dreams of, of doing, you know, all all sorts of different things, but even beyond acting though, you know, I really do want to. Um, go into my latter years uh, being a, a producer and a, and a writer. Like I've have written things along the way and and did you know small little creative projects, but certainly to be able to, you know, either um, get on a staff writing job of a series mm-hmm. or to you know to do a film that 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 really reflects my my own personal experience and things like that. Those are all goals that um, I've always had in in you know my heart. I think that's like when that's one universal goal of, a, of Asian American artists who've been in the game for a minute. Yeah. You know, like, cause we, we are, we've been friends for a long, like we, have, we were talking when, you, when we when you first got here about how my daughter, who's now going to be nine in August, yes. when you were shooting, we were shooting something and I couldn't find a babysitter and you wanted me to be in it. And the only way that I could do is if I had her in my lap and we would shoot. And she was like, the baby was under the table. Yes. And we were hiding my baby and I was playing this criminal. (laughs) And and I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm like, tough. Baby, but I got a baby in my lap. (laughs) And it's like, ugh, ugh, I'm mean. I did crimes. Are you okay, babes? Good. Yeah. <laughs> I love how the director of that was just so understanding, so we just oh, kind of tilted the oh, camera. Oh, he tilted the camera up so you couldn't see it. It was great. Oh, Movie man. Magic. But No, but that's, like, we've been in it for, for a while. And, yeah. and we've and And we've been working together and, and known each other for a while. Like I said, you were in the Mini Pacquiao episodes. Yes. So... We've I've I've seen you grow as an artist. You've seen me grow as an artist, and and I and I think a lot of it is, you know, to be in this game, you have to be in it to tell your story. Well, and also I think you just have to be resilient. Yeah, you know. Because, oh, for sure. I mean, obviously, I would say uh, because of the push for diversity and because of the push for um, inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and the success of movies, I mean, everyone brings this up now, but like, you know, Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. No, no, we talk about um, it on, we've, fantastic we've talked about Always Be My Maybe and all yes. the all, all the stuff. Like, yeah. part of me thinks that like Crazy Rich Asians was the start and it was like, oh, wow, these people will go to the box office and they'll spend money and 
If, if the story centered around them, they're going to go see it. Mm-hmm. And then you start having stories like Stuber, and you have stories like Always Be My Maybe, and you have all these different... And notice that I said Stuber before Always Be My Maybe because I'm a brown Asian, and y'all don't give enough shine to Stuber. Anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, anyway, no, but, you know, I think that, like, rom- the romantic comedy genre, Yeah. I'll tell you, like, I, I always think back to, like, the... Uh, the um, the scene where we're doing where my son my my daughter was in in my lap and mm-hmm. and I was like one day I'm gonna write a romantic comedy and me and Edelin are gonna be in it. Yes. <laughs> no, because always be my maybe showed me that I could write a a, a role for my friend mm-hmm. and I could write a role for myself and you could because that's what Ali Wong did. Yeah. Right. Well, Randall Park and Ali Wong actually wrote it together. Mm-hmm. So let's here at this podcast we'll write a, we'll write a story together and there you go. See, look, crazy funny agents. We're gonna write a crazy funny agent story. Me and Edelin, watch, watch. Just say it here. Watch. Anyhow, <laughs> speaking of the future, okay. Speaking of the future, you're working on a show called Into the Woods. Boom. Yes. At. at the Hollywood Bowl. At the Hollywood Bowl. At that the end is of awesome. This month, July 26th to 28th at the Hollywood Bowl. This is going to come out tomorrow. So it'll come out on Monday. Okay. So, because I didn't do a podcast. I, sorry, guys. I normally do a podcast on Fridays and the podcast uploads on Fridays. But we had to reschedule because, you know, this lady's very busy. She's got rehearsals. She's working on Into the Woods. She's working on a big Hollywood Bowl show, so she had to reschedule. But we're doing it. We're recording this today, Sunday, at you know the day of my Miscellaneous Brown Karaoke Comedy Spectacular show. I'm hanging with Edelin in the afternoon, but we're going to upload this on Monday. I don't know why you need all this, but you do because you know these are logistical things. And the reason I'm saying that we're uploading this on Monday is because we're going to start talking about poignant shit, okay? Because there was an article that just came out today, and Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about representation. And instead of bringing a dude in here to talk about Asian masculinity, I'd rather bring my friend and beautiful actress Edelyn O'Connell in here to talk about Asian femininity and Asian American femininity and how it deals with actresses and casting and the whole thing. Because Scarlett Johansson said a lot of interesting things, didn't she? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I uh, you know... I think you there's this feeling of uh, entitlement. We won't call it white entitlement. Or no, you don't have to say it. It doesn't even wow. need to be racial. It just um, you know. No, no. It's but there's a certain enti- entitlement. I think when you reach a certain level in your career, that there is this like entitlement to be able to say whatever is on your mind. And yes, I think we should as a as a you know free people be able to say. Um, how, whatever it is we feel. How about it, but ScarJo? Certainly, I don't know if it's always going to be received very well. Mm, well, which, um, I understand why she's getting the, the the backlash that she's getting on it because I don't exactly agree with her viewpoint on being able to play anything. So, sure, if she wants to play a tree, you know, girl, you could, she could be an into the woods, could, couldn't yeah. be. You know what? If she wanted to be a tree, girl, she could yes. be an Into the Woods. Scarlet. I, I'm just saying, I'm girl. Sure, you sure. could be branches. <laughs> she could play the trees and Into the Woods. No, my, my friend too, commented like, funny. It was like, she, so basically she's saying she could play any role she wants to as long as she's a good enough actress. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I've had that same argument. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, look at, I mean, that's my nickname, right? Miscellaneous Brown. Because in... In my career, I've basically, in, well, no, I shouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of my career in Chicago, mm-hmm. Midwestern casting, Midwestern town, where there were not as many Filipinos, where I was, and I was probably one of the, you know, handful of Filipino actors in the town to begin with, I was miscellaneous Brown, because mm-hmm. whatever they would cast me in, mm-hmm. I would do. Yeah. That said, the first time I got to play Filipino, mm-hmm. I never wanted to go back. Right. Like, I never never wanted to... I mean, I'll play other miscellaneous brown accents and characters in sketch comedy and and improv, but I'm going to leave the the being in an Indian-American movie to the Indian-Americans or, you know, the Korean-American or whatever, you know, the Mexican-Americans or whoever wants to do, you know, tell their... I'm going to leave the Mexican story to the Mexicans. Right. And I'm going to leave the... You know, and I'm going to leave the Puerto Rican story to the Puerto Ricans. Now, we talked about 
we talked about this numerous times in this podcast about um, back in the day when uh, Jennifer Lopez was cast in uh, Selena Mm -hmm. and how everybody was in an uproar because she was Puerto Rican Rican, Mm -hmm. and Selena was Mexican. Right. And back then that was the controversy. Right. But the only reason it was a controversy is because we didn't have opportunity. Right. Right? If there was more than one story talking about a brown girl and you didn't have to worry about whether it was Puerto Rican or Guatemalan or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. it'd be fine. But because there was that only that one role or that one major film. Well, and also the fact that there weren't... Uh you know, at the end of the day, it does matter about getting butts in seats. And, sure. and certainly, I'm sure at that time, as there is now, there are plenty of Mexican-American actresses that could have... I mean, at know, the time, I would have thought Salma but, Hayek might have done it. But then oh, J-Lo yeah. was a dancer. Yeah. So it was a totally... Yeah. And she... she and, and again, which is a weird... Like, that's the weird thing about this fine line of casting is, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody loved it. Right. Right? After they saw it, everybody loved it. I think part of what it is, and I think part of what Scarlett was, I'm not trying to defend Scarlett at all, but what I think Scarlett was trying to say is that the art of acting is to make you believe that you are, you know, that that person is, uh, I'm that person, right? right? That she is that Japanese robot in Ghosts in the Shell. Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't convincing because nobody was con- nobody was convinced and i think part of that was because not because she's not a good actress but i think because we have a perception of what that role was and i think that's part of why the backlash is so hard is because she's known like especially in the asian american and the hollywood asian american community she's she's on the shirt you know tilda yeah. scarlet and and uh, what's her name uh, the other the other chick uh uh, all three of them are on that Asian uh, Asian as fuck shirt. Oh, uh, um, Tilda, Tilda, Scarlett, and the uh, chick with it? Emma, Emma, oh. Emma Watson, because she was half Hawaiian in that in that uh, Aloha. Right. See, well, I want to say that I think I feel like it's also because we've just become a lot more. Um, you know, woke is probably really, but you know, we, we're just more aware and we're, we're just, a, we care. We're at that place where I think when, when a community of people decides to care and, and decides to voice their opinion, um, then you realize that when you do that, that the powers that be, if they care as well, and, and they should, and they have been, they start to make changes. And it's like, as a Filipino-American or a Japanese-American or... Because you're Filipino and Japanese, right? Yes. You want to see a true representation of yourself. Mm -hmm. Or at least a semblance of that. Meaning, yes, are there still plenty of roles, of uh, Japanese roles that are being filled by by Chinese? Yeah, absolutely. of course. Are there, you know, and are Koreans or whatnot. And, you know, the community, there's there's some sensitivity to it, I think, when it pertains to, like, very, like a, a language thing and or a, uh, a, you know, if it's somebody that's very, very specific that, you know, um, requires somebody with uh, a very authentic background to, right. to, to play them. But or if it's a it's, real life character, maybe. right? You know, exactly. but I mean, but in the case of Selena, whatever. But but I do feel like there needs to be because we've become that that aware. There there has to be a line drawn, even though you are acting, mm-hmm. even yeah. though it is. Supposed we can to be, be whoever we want now with a, with CGI. We can right. we can de-age ourselves. Right. So the, the the idea of the looks of somebody it almost doesn't matter anymore. It's the quality of the acting and it's that. But but at the same time now you can have an authentic story told by the actual people telling the exactly that, that the story is about. I think it's about being able to utilize the fact that there are now you know certainly in our in in current times there's a tremendous amount of talent out there. Yes, they may not all be on the level of Scarlett Johansson, but. How are this they ever going to get there if exactly. they don't get an opportunity? This is where I think producers and, and powers that be need to take a little more time to, you know, to really 
foster that, to foster sure. the, the, the reach to find those people. And also, it is just about respect. Yeah. Right? It's, to, it's the respect of saying, you know, as a person who is not of that race, no. You know, like, I, I respectfully, could I play that role? Sure. Why? Should I? Probably not. I kind of made that yeah, point where exactly. it was like, I mean, I she made she got enough Avengers money, and I'm not trying to tell people not to make money because you do you do yours, you make money, but she doesn't have to say yes to every role, right? You right. know, she's been working. We know we get it. You yes. can act. You could do yeah. your. Th- we get it, Scarlett. You right. can act. You don't have to say yes every single time. Right. You should think about it, especially with the backlash she's been getting. You would think that she would yeah. think more about it. Now she's trying to play a trans person yeah and like i get it okay i i get it because it in a lot of ways if scarlett johansson isn't playing it and maybe a trans actor is playing it like you know alexandra billings from chicago is my girl Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. great trans actress Mm -hmm. yeah may not bring the box office right so who knows like it brings more attention to the story but what kind of attention does it bring so it's it's but it's again, incredible. It's, it's a just, weird. St- it's one of those situations where it's like we we just have to keep pushing forward and 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 voice the fact that you know again producers should make the extra effort yeah. to to or, to go after those actors you know as much as possible because I think the thing about especially for someone who's trans the kind of experience uh, that that person would bring to a role. Um, oh sure. Having gone through just in the eyes, the you know, experience of yeah. the eye, like everything. Having gone through whatever, yeah. whatever, and all that it takes to be able to truly, you know, make the acknowledgement uh, that you are something that you, you know, you you weren't born a, a certain gender and mm-hmm. you identify as something else, and to follow the steps to in order to, you know, ha- to realize who you really are, and to go through the interpersonal, I'm sure, conflicts and. And ups and downs with family as you're doing that type of transition and, and the world no, around you, you and how it reacts to you. Like that is an experience that even I don't think any actor who's ever gone through that, you could put yourself in as many as if situations. No, yeah. But it would never equate no. to somebody who's actually gone through that experience. I agree 100%. And what I would say to that, and this is why I, I, I've always been of the, like, yes. I'm always going to be one to advocate for more representation in the mainstream mm-hmm. stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, what are we doing right now? Right? We're telling our story. Yeah. And I'm looking at it from that standpoint as I'm done waiting. I'm done waiting for Hollywood to tell our story. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to write it and yeah. I'm going to tell it ourselves. Yeah. Because, like, you see, like, with Always Be My Maybe, mm-hmm. and you see with, even with Crazy Funny Asians, that was a book, right? And in the third book, it's a lot of Filipinos in that book, just so you know. And, you know, trajectory, you know. I'm just saying. But, <laughs> but, but at the same time, I don't, I've been in it since Joy Luck Club. Yeah. Right? I've been, I was inspired by Joy Luck Club, and, and, and uh, I was... Like, I was hoping that that was the crazy rich Asians that was going to bring us to the forefront and make us represent. Like, All American Girl. That was mm-hmm. around the same time, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and, and all of that stuff. That was, and, I, and I'm not worried, right? I'm not worried that it's going to go back or revert back because I don't think, now it's why. too late. Now, yeah. crazy funny age, or crazy rich Asians made a uh, hundred plus million dollars is you're not going back right Ali Wong and and Randall Park blew the internet up that weekend that uh always be my maybe opened I mean it's it's here like it's, here. it's like it's we're here. really There's no denying that like like I said I feel like there has been a uh, there has been a, a dramatic shift in identifying the fact that we want to have authentic uh, a, 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 an authentic voice mm-hmm Representing us, which right. is also why Mama Mia, like uh, how many people we, we heard from after the shows who were just so moved, who literally said to us, 
I, I literally cried or I was so moved by oh. this. I never thought that Mamma Mia would ever make me have this reaction. Like the word Tita saw, made me yeah. bawl my eyes out because not because of anything other than the fact that here's this normally, you know, a normal a show that you normally see at Meryl Streep. Yeah. You know, my kids watched the movie before we saw the yeah. thing. So it's watching with Meryl Streep. Yeah. You know, and then you it see. It is literally one of the most, the whitest movies yeah, ever. It, it yeah. Is, it I mean, it is, is like, even though the, like, the background is white. Yeah. Like, everything is white. <laughs> I mean, with some blue lines. Right. But that's like. like the ocean was like yeah, the biggest like the thing blue, in color. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so the whole movie is yeah. white. Right. And, and then to see and hear the word Tita in that, on that stage was pretty powerful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And when you see, I mean, when you see someone that looks like you. It is. It's a game changer. It Girl, just, I told, it really is. Until I was 16 years old, I told everybody Bruce Lee was half Filipino. Wow. I told them Keanu Reeves was half Filipino too. I've told that joke nice. twice now on this podcast, nice. but I don't care. It's representation matters, <laughs> and it's the truth. It's just the truth. I right. did. I, I. I mean, like I remember seeing. Uh, I, I remember his name, Jimmy Pacaya. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Pacaya was the little brown Indian kid who helped Bobby and Cindy. When Bobby and Cindy got lost in the special Grand Canyon episodes okay. in Brady Bunch. Okay. Yeah, I was watching that episode wow. and I remember seeing this little brown face and I was yeah. like, oh man, yeah. wow, this little brown kid got to meet Bobby and Cindy. How yeah. cool is that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, you know, it meant so, I'm 44 years old. I probably saw that shit when I was like seven or eight yeah. and I still remember his goddamn name. Amazing. Right? So that representation is like, a big deal when you see your face on a movie screen or on TV it's a big deal mm-hmm. and like I'm excited because your 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 new project with Into the Woods it, yeah. it now like, tell me about that like is it so Into the Woods is a is a beloved Stephen Sondheim musical mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it debuted on Broadway I believe in uh, 1981 or 1982 so it's it's been around sure you sure know, yeah it's Broadway run and um uh and what I find so special about this particular production, which is going to be at the Hollywood Bowl, is that uh, the producers wanted to have a multicultural cast. Mm-hmm. Specifically, uh, well, not specifically just to our family, but the three women, so myself and my two daughters. So I'm playing Cinderella's stepmother, so I Ooh. get to deliciously evil yes. uh, Wait, Cinderella's is, stepmother. Wait, is that, is that, is that, that's not Maleficent, is it? Oh no, that's Sleeping no, Beauty. That's, that's Sleeping that's, Beauty. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's Sleeping Beauty. So but Into the Woods is basically, just, is, we're taking I'm so Disney-fied. Yeah, well, you know, this is a story of, uh, this is, you're taking three or four of the most beloved fairy tales, mm-hmm. so Jack and the Beanstalk, um, you're taking uh, Cinderella. Cinderella, right? Um, and then like the baker and the baker's wife and you're seeing what, if you were to take these traditional stories and meld them to all sort of have one singular issue and problem Mm -hmm. and then how it resolves itself. I always thought of Into the Woods as like the first uh, Shrek. Yeah, it was like the first, like kinda. somebody saw Into the Woods and was yeah. like, ooh, what if I put more fairy tales in the yes, village? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and all set to music, of course, mm-hmm. and, and fun dance. Um, but when the breakdown came out for this, what I thought was exciting was that they sort of stated, because, you know, like Hamilton was such a huge success. And, and so, you know, the response is, we don't just want to see necessarily like the most, you know, like the traditional casting. And this, funny that we're talking about diversity, right? Because mm-hmm. yes, we're saying in one way that film and TV, we want to see, you know, an Asian person, if it's written as an Asian role, we want to see an Asian person in that. Right. And yet, you know, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda playing Hamilton, everyone just reacted to it in such a positive way because it was, you know, because it was giving an opportunity to somebody to your guys yeah. No, 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 go, go, go. Uh, it was giving somebody uh, a voice in a role that, yes, of course, they of course. would never other, oh, otherwise do, but they did it so well. And, and you know, with, you know, an urban feel and the whole, you know, Girl, okay. it was just, it Hamilton, fire. Hamilton, I auditioned for Hamilton. You did? What role? Uh, just the open call. Okay. Um, and it, like, okay. The first time in my career where I went to an open call and didn't get to the second, like, didn't get past the thing. Because yeah. I was dumb. I didn't sing a song from the show. 
I sang just your traditional musical song. Wait, but they asked you to not sing from the... They, well, no, no, they didn't, they didn't ask you to sing from the show. Yeah. But that show is so specific that they don't give a fuck if you can sing lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to know if you can rap. Yeah. Right? They want to yeah. know if you can do that. Because yeah. that is even harder rapping than most rapping on the radio right. is rapping, right? That's right. hard rapping. Right. So for me, I should have opened and auditioned with a rap. That yeah. was my bad. Yeah. That said, the only reason I wanted to audition was just so I could be a part of that whole thing. Yeah. Because I think I might have said this on another podcast, but I feel like Hamilton flipped everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, actually I said it right right at the end of our last podcast with Ellen because we were talking about audacity and Barack Obama and uh and how Hamilton and Barack Obama are hand in hand, right? Because there wouldn't have been a play like Hamilton written by Lin-Manuel Miranda if Barack Obama wasn't our president. Right. And um Hamilton in the way that it was cast put us in the story. Yeah. Right? It wasn't that, like, the most powerful moments in it are, like, when the, the immigrant, the, the, the immigrant lines, because you see the immigrant experience in the people that are playing your, for, your, your, your founding fathers. Right. And then you listen to the lyrics, and you listen to the way that everything's put together, and you realize that the, the, this, the idea of this country is beautiful, but the actual implementation of it is hard fucking work. Mm-hmm. Right, and Hamilton, in a lot of ways, for us as people of theater, it flipped colorblind casting on its head. Yeah, you know, because it, you now we don't know what people would respond to now. Mm-hmm. Like people kept telling us that they wouldn't respond to this or that or this, and now they are responding to it. So now, what you're gonna do? Right. Now what you're going to do when you do a reverse Othello and it's all black and one white guy, right? Or, you know, what are you going to do when it's all Asian American death of a salesman? You know? Well, that's the thing. is like I think that that's why the conversation, uh, it creates a conversation that is, 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 is one that I definitely think is so valuable and needs to be had. But it's very difficult to know exactly you know, what is right or wrong, no, right? Because yeah. as a person of color, I'm like, I, I think Hamilton's, it is. It's a groundbreaking yeah. uh, show. And, and and I think that they we need to continue doing stuff like that. Sure. However, you know, when it's then a white person playing a person of color, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Well, right? I think, I think so, part of it is the history though, right? right? Because white people have been able to be play people of color for a long time. I mean, John Wayne played Genghis Khan. I mean, that's real, That yeah. right? Yeah. Tim Conway, you make it too much noise. Mm-hmm. I have to sleep, you know, breakfast yeah. at Tiffany's. Yeah. And Bruce, like that that scene in Dragon, I don't know if that was a real, like real life, true to experience scene of Bruce Lee, but when he was watching that scene in in that movie, and you know, that yeah. that's a powerful thing. Yeah. That was a powerful thing when I saw it the first time because it's like, yeah. That is, it, it's funny to say, and that in a lot of ways encapsulates our experience, right? Because mm-hmm. it's comedy and tragedy. Right. Because some yeah. people, that's a joke. Yeah. But not if you're the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. And we, like, um, on my second episode, we talked about uh, Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. and how he, you know, kind of singled out Asian men, you know, and, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And we don't have to talk about it here because, like, with the dudes, I'll go ahead and talk about my penis a lot. But with Adeline, it, I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> talking about my penis, okay? I'm just, it's just not, I mean, I know I'm right now doing it, but I'm just saying that it's, it's not something that I want to do. Anyway. <laughs> no, but Louis C.K. was like teasing us. Yeah. And I don't, I'm fine with the jokes. Like I said, I'm fine with the hate. Mm-hmm. You go ahead and bring it. It mm-hmm. don't matter to me. But it's, it's more about, okay, you want, you got jokes? So do I. Right. And I'm going to clap back now. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah. I think like what you were talking about before about how we want to tell our story and, and how, you know, we want to be represented and, and if you want an authentic representation. I think part of that is you've been in the game for a while. A minute. I've been in the game yeah. for a minute, right? Yeah. We are now coming of age, right? 
the people that have been in the game for a long time are now realizing that it's not that hard to share our stories anymore. Mm-hmm. And people want to hear it, and there's an audience for it. So it's like... People want to see themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we've been in this, if you've been in this business long enough, and you get to a place where you have the confidence to either create your own content, say no to the stuff that does not speak to you or mm-hmm. is insulting to you in mm-hmm. any way. Sure. I mean, you know, I'm, gl- I'm really happy uh, to see I mean it still happens every now and then don't get me wrong but like to not get every audition that I get to say that I have to walk in to that audition with an accent you know or, yeah, for sure. Or that I literally just got off, literally off the boat, you know, a month ago type right. of thing. Yeah. And I do, I've now gotten to that place where unless, of course, that woman is uh, in a place of... The story's different. The, the, yeah. Unless the story is asking for it. Whereas, yeah. like, I'm playing a woman from a different, you know, from another Asian country yeah. and I'm here in America. Okay, fine. Granted. Listen, right? It's fine. But... At the same time, like, I've now been in situations where I've just said to my reps, like, no, yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm like, if the accent that. is the joke, you. I'm not going to do yeah, the accent. Exactly. But if the accent is the character and there's right. something to do with the fact that the character's story it has something to do with the accent, then, yo, you better watch or out because I'm about to kill you with this accent. I'm stereotype for the sake of just, right. you no. know. But if I'm, if I'm playing a no. Filipino immigrant character that's, you know, and trying to capture and tell the Filipino immigrant story. Right. I'm yo accent it out. I'm yes, good exactly. because that, that that's a big debate we have even not even just on this podcast but just in the Asian American community of actors. Right, mm-hmm. our accents good, our accents bad. Do once I get to a certain point, am I gonna not do this or am I gonna not do that? You know, mm-hmm. and I really do feel like it's a, like a case to case basis because yes. you can never really say no. I won't do an accent right exactly because you might write it. You know. Start typing and a character comes out that has an accent and that's your character that you want to play. Right. So you never know. Right. But I also do think that as actors and as performers, as artists, we don't need to be so sensitive Mm -hmm. about it either. Mm -hmm. You know? We have gotten to now, we're getting to now a point where I feel secure enough to not have to worry about the bullshit anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, where I see that this thing is actually starting to happen, right? Like pilot season, there were like two or three where it's like just all Asian yeah. cast, right? Yeah. So, like, I see the response to Joe Coy's special, right? I see the response to all the different Asian comics. Right. You know, it's not something where we have to linger on. We didn't get the opportunity because we'll just worry about missing the opportunity that's right in front of us. Right. But and that's part of the reason why I have this podcast. Right. I I've in a lot of ways, the first guest, the first guest that I've had on this show have not been. Well, they've been people of note for sure. Like, obviously, you're. Your mama Mia cast, you're in Hollywood Bowl show, you countless IMDB credits, you're you're doing your thing. Ellen was doing her thing, Kelvin was all these guys are all people of note, but at the end of the day, they're all just my friends. Yeah. They're all people that I just want to share their story and, and blow them up because I know how awesome they are. Well, and and I think that's that is one of the things that I feel that is important. It's about it's about supporting each other yeah especially in the filipino community mm, girl who you talking right? about that is the thing that i i would just you know i i support you know we want to support each other and and not have this this you know permeate the idea of crab mentality that like if you get that that means i'm not going to get it or if i support her that's taking support away from my you know well we talked about it though right shining well, we know, talked about it myself. though right yeah with, with with the whole j-lo thing right yeah and how there was not enough. There's still not enough opportunity for us. Right. So anybody who gets a little shine, like uh, there was a little bit of me when when people compared me to Joe. Mm-hmm. At first, I'm apprehensive to it. I'm like, what? Don't don't compare me to Joe. Yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm no no. Uh, and then I'm thinking, wait, 
Joe is the biggest Filipino-American comic in the game right now, if not one of the biggest comics in the game, period, right? And if you're going to compare me to Joe, mm-hmm. that's fucking that's, awesome. That's actually a really good That's company. really great. Yeah, exactly. You know? So it's not, it's not a competition, right? Exactly. There's enough for everybody there and if your story is good enough people are going to want to hear it exactly and the thing is i think if you if you become that artist that's willing to collaborate with other artists especially the ones that you you honestly feel are your competition it really truly does enhance who you are and enhances and shines a light on you in a way that like their fans will now look at you you know whether it's good or bad they're going to look at matter. you they're going to they're going to see look, what you're doing like I said this, and I, I say this a lot to myself now, because I see all the success. Joey Gilla, Joe Coy, Ron Johnson, all, all these cats, Rex Navarrete, you got to shout out Rex, old yeah. school Rex who's been doing it for 20 fucking years. Like all these cats doing their thing. And it's like there was Richard Pryor, and then there was, and there was Red Fox, and there was Eddie Murphy, and there was Martin Lawrence, and there was Keenan, and there was all these African-American comics, right? Mm-hmm. All the comics that I grew up watching. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, all those guys were the same race. Oh, it doesn't just have to be one. Mm-hmm. All of us can be there. Yeah. And we can have a big fucking party once yeah. we're all there. And, and, and I'm looking at it like when the Filipino deaf comedy jam comes out, <laughs> so you're gonna do that? Is that what's gonna happen? I, I we'll see. We'll see. I mean, right now with this podcast, I'm really enjoying this. Mm-hmm. Like this is, I was. It was funny because um, speaking of representation, I was listening to uh, Mark Maron's podcast, and he had the creator of. Uh, Fresh Off the Boat on his podcast. And I want to read her name because I want to pronounce it correctly. Nanachka Khan. She was just on Mark Maron's show. And she just directed Always Be My Maybe. And she was also one of the show creators of Fresh Off the Boat. Yes. And she's kind of like the key, Mm -hmm. right? Because she's the showrunner on Fresh Off the Boat. She was the director of Always Be My Maybe. Yes. It's when we're not only in front of the camera, but also behind the camera, writing the stories and shooting the stories and editing the stories. That's when our stories are really going to be, which is why I'm going to come back to it. Yeah. I'm going to come back to it. Okay, guys. I'm going to write a romantic comedy starring me and Edelin, (laughs) Eric Esteban and Edelin Ocano in, you know, always be my maybe two electric boogaloo. (laughs) I'm just, I don't know. I'm just saying. Because, no, because we as a people have a whole bunch of stories to tell. And I just, it's our time. So. Agree. I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think we need to, I think we just need to continue the movement that, you know, it's just about being aware. It's just about being aware of the fact that, um, Especially, I mean, going back to AJ for a second, mm-hmm. it's just like the way that he utilizes social media and the way that he's able to just create on the fly um, what he wants to put out there, um, I think is just, you know, one example of the fact that we don't have to wait for permission. Mm-hmm. We certainly, you know, yes, things cost money, but there's ways to raise money if you need to. And if not, just shoot something on your fucking phone and put it out there if you need to like whatever message it is I'm not saying we do that with our movie no look at listen no no no, listen 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 I watched Robert Rodriguez 10 minute film school right before I started doing Manny Pacquiao and part of well the first thing that he says is if you wait for a nice camera or whatever else you're gonna wait for a long time right yeah if you got a camera, shoot. You got a script, shoot it. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. Whatever it is, if it's no budget, if it's low budget, whatever, shoot it. You're a filmmaker, right? And I've always had that 
with me throughout everything that I've done. Like we were talking about, you know, I don't have any representation here. I don't have a manager. I don't have an agent. I don't have anybody booking for me for the show. I don't have a co-producer. Well, I have a co-producer now, but it's only because my show is growing is why I have to help. I need help. Mm -hmm. But the only person that you really need to survive in this game is you and your, you know, your attrition, (laughs) you you know, you and and not wanting to give up. Yeah. Because I see that driving you too. Like, you know, that this game is ups and downs, but at the end of the day, we're in it not even just, it's not just for the accolades and for anything else. I think it's just because there's nothing else that we would want to be doing. It, yeah, exactly. It's I, I'm still in this because I, at my core, am a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And I've just wanted to do that since it's, it's really the only thing I've really ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it's what... You know, I wanted to pursue as a career and I wanted to be able to, I want to continue doing that. Like I said, like, you know, to the point where nobody cares anymore because, you know, unfortunately we all get a little older and people stop caring, Um, but they don't have to stop caring if I write or if I produce or if I direct, you know? Well, it's it's the power of words. The message is still powerful. Yeah. But that's part of the reason why I'm doing this. Yes. Right. Because you never get an in-depth interview with Adeline Okano after her post-show, you know, Mamma Mia experience. You, yeah. It's not something that we're able to do because we don't have a, a place for it. But I want to provide a place here where we can share these stories because, you know, who knows? You know, some young Filipina Japanese girl in, in you know, Missouri is listening to this and being like, oh, my gosh. I'm going to write my story too. Because that's yeah. that's what it's about for me is like when you see yourself, when you hear yourself, when you hear your story, it inspires you to share it even more. Well, one of the really beautiful uh, moments we had backstage, or not backstage, but after the show um, of Mamma Mia was that so many people brought their children. And a lot of people brought, you brought your, you brought your mm-hmm. children and we had, uh, there were two days I remember where we had literally, it was like a gang of girls under the age of, you know, 10. Mm-hmm. And they had their playbills for us to sign and they were giddy. They were so happy mm-hmm. uh, because they just went through two hours of song and dance and happiness and, and seeing their themselves, mm-hmm. seeing older versions mm-hmm. of themselves, of course, but seeing themselves and to, you know, some of them saying like, I can't wait, you know, to do what you're doing. It really is huge because huge. I, when I was that old, I did not see. You didn't have people to say no, that to. I didn't have you, anybody well, you, physically you, to, to be able to walk up to. And well, say, I, I, I could say that if I, like if I met Eddie Murphy and right. I'd have been like, you made me want to be funny. But right. it's not, not because you look like me, but because you're just so goddamn funny. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that I brought my kids mm-hmm. because I showed my daughter... Malia, my oldest daughter, the video with Minnie Pacquiao and AJ. Yeah. And <laughs> she goes, Daddy, I didn't realize that you, you did a video with Pepper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's like full circle, right? Like my, my, my oldest daughter has been lucky. She, she got to see John John Briones on stage Ooh, in the love, West End. Oh, John John. John. We, 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 everybody loves John John on this. Because John John is our, he's, he's another Ninong. He's, yeah. another, he's another guy that just watches out for everybody. John John and I actually did an episode of TV together. We did an episode of um, Designated Survivor together. Oh, nice. We didn't know until we ran into each other at the hotel. Oh, like, my the gosh. Day that's before. the best. And we were just like, oh, hey, you know. And then, I mean, man, he is, he, we, how we met was actually on another sort of crazy booking. Um, we did ADR with Joan, funny enough. Girl, I was there too. Oh, the, that's right. Oh my gosh. I am so embarrassed. Yes, you Adeline. were Eric. Oh my gosh. For- she met John John Briones because you know who introduced her to John John Briones? <gasps> Me. I totally forgot. Because we were all there. We all worked on Born Supremacy. Yes. And we still get them little ass residual checks. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. That's me coughing. Yeah, literally okay. Residual when there's like in the Philippines, <laughs> when they're in the Philippines, okay, and they have a smoking scene where they're playing cards and there's a lot of coughing, that's me. <laughs> and then there's another scene where Jeremy Renner kicks somebody off a, a, a motorcycle and he screams like a little bitch. 
That's me too. And I'm surprised that Edelin forgot I, my performance. Edelyn, I'm going to delete this whole podcast. We're not. It's done. <laughs> Do you I'm, remember when John John played the, the announcer, though, for the oh, yes. uh, horse race? Yes. That was. No. He that, would, that will always be. I don't know why, but oh, that always sticks in the back of my mind. Because it was thinking, so awesome. It was brilliant. And he was he just improvised. Yeah. It, it was yeah. so good. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. The, and the, Joan was there yeah, that day. That's where, we, that's where I met Joan. Okay, so I said I was going to go back to my whole thing of Joan. Right? Please do bring okay. bring it bring it back with Joan because Joan, so Joan John John and Joan. Yeah. I mean, come yeah. on, both of them are yeah. legends. Yes. So, okay, fun fact. I thought I was going to die on a Broadway stage. I might still. Who knows? Okay. Who knows how I'm going to? You know, okay. Yeah, man. Who knows? Right. What it's going to look like. Maybe with that, that that would be. I mean, that wouldn't be a bad thing. No, no, no. Especially if you're like singing, ah! right. and then <laughs> like something the falls or some me. shit. <laughs> At least you, you you went out and you're good. Right. You know, like yeah. you wouldn't know, you wouldn't have any idea how it went, you know. So, nine, ten, eleven, twelve year old me was like, I'm gonna die on a Broadway stage, and I'm going to die doing Miss Saigon, because you know, back in the day, that was girl. What are you talking about? Big, back you know, that would Joy Luck Club. You know uh, all the all the different things in the '90s, like and then Miss Saigon, Miss and Saigon. you're like thinking, "Holy cow, thinking, here it is! It's yes. coming! I'm yes. gonna be an actor." Th- those were yes. the moments that made me want to be an actor. Yes. Well, musical theater was was the start for me, in that my mom took me to, which just came full circle. But um, my mom took me to see Phantom of the Opera, mm-hmm. and I was ten, and I was struck. You know, if, if Cupid doesn't just apply to, you know, mm-hmm. love, it's mm-hmm. like love in the, in the you know, mm-hmm. personal sense. This yeah, is love like for, Cupid yeah. from the Cupid stage, from the just stage like, ah. hit me square mm-hmm. in the face with, yeah. and, and I was mesmerized. And, you know, I took that to be my calling. Mm-hmm. And then when Saigon came and, and it was like Leia Salonga, who is, who is Filipina, gets cast in the title role and then I fall in love with that score that which is not hard to do it's beautiful right? right and it's just like okay this is this is this is the direction and then when I was um, accepted into theater school in New York mm-hmm. with the major being musical theater yeah I had um, I'd seen Saigon for the first time uh, in Seattle so uh-huh. it was a, a touring production of it and then when I was accepted to school, of course, one of the wonderful benefits that the school gave you was um, discount tickets to certain shows. Of right? course. So as soon as I got there, I was like, I'm seeing Saigon, you know, on Broadway. Of course, right? you know? yeah. So, so I get my ticket and I go, and who is Kim? Joan Almadelia, who, you know... Blows you away. Blows she, you she's away. incredible. She's incredible. And, but, but Didn't jo- was Joan, like, was Joan, like, right after Leia? Or like very very soon after Leia. So I don't know. I believe I believe it was another one of Joan's friends oh. who played that she took over for. Oh, I think I know what you're talking. I know I know it was, but I can't think of uh, off the name her name off the top of my head. But but Joan was like not too at much after Leia Salonga, right? Well, I don't know. I, I actually I don't know. Okay. I'm not uh, really either way, sure. either way, she um, she played the role of Kim and she killed it. And she killed yeah. it. And I saw her, and in fact, I saw her twice. Mm-hmm. Like, I went back a couple times, because I oh, just, yeah. I mean, I had to. Would you have, right? Did you stay and meet her at the, after the, after I the show? Oh, I oh, didn't. I didn't. Oh, you didn't? Okay. No, no. But I, uh, I just, I just, I remember those two, those two performances, and because it was also Broadway, and at mm-hmm. that time, I was like, you know, I was 18 years old, I'm, I'm living in New York City, I'm living the artist dream, I'm, I'm going down Girl, the trajectory. Girl, I feel you, you're like, like you're, this is you're it. You're right, you're, you're in it. And then I remember meeting her at the, at the, the ADR session we did, mm-hmm. and I, you know, she was, Joan's awesome, she's just, Joan's just, she's just she's so friendly, down to so earth open, and down to both, earth, you know. Both her and John John are both like that. Yes. Like, they understand and realize how... G they are yeah but they don't need to they don't need to worry about you're good yeah come on come they're just so good they're just good people but what I remember when I met her and she was really nice was that I was so like 
first of all, I have to I have to preface this by saying that it takes a lot for me to get star starstruck. It's just a thing. It, like, it I've takes always, a lot from all of us. Lot, yeah, because we, we're in the game. Yeah. So we're just coworkers. But there's a few people who every now and then, like, I, I'll feel it. There's this, like, okay, I'm just, like, I'm feeling, you know, when I met, okay, so a, another New York story, which I'll get to in a second, but go ahead, so I'll stick with Joan. Uh, I couldn't, I could barely, I didn't want to bring up the Saigon thing because I'm thinking, oh, she's heard this a million times, sure, you know, sure, so I'm just sure, going to, sure. I'm going to act like I'm all cool because sure, we're all sure. working together. So, you know, we just kind of, you know, spoke and ate lunch together all as a group and that was that. Mm -hmm. And then I'm here, I'm cast in Mamma Mia and... Now you got time. Now we're now I've got time, <laughs> and now we're you know spending hours upon hours together, and now we're sitting two stations apart in the dressing room together. Right. And I'm literally on the inside pinching myself. Yeah. Going, I'm working with the woman who was Kim in Miss Saigon. Who inspired was, you? Who literally blew my mind yeah. when I was 18 years old, yeah. sitting there, crying that I'm now pursuing this career as a professional actor. In New York City, and I'm working with her in the same show, and and again, nothing's changed about Joan in the sense that she's still super no, down to earth, she's so, great. so loving, so good, but how, so generous. How cool, full circle is yes, that? Yes, I know. How, but I always just real quick. My first Broadway show was Rent. Yeah. Right. And I saw that show after I had, it was my first audition. I went to an open call where I just auditioned for it. And I got through all the stages and they're giving me tickets to go to this and this and this. And then I get to the dance call and they saw me dancing. I'm like, thank you very much, sir. <laughs> but I got through so much of it. And it was like this exhilarating thing. And then uh, this lady was following me through the whole audition. And, and I didn't know what she was doing, but she kept asking me questions. It turned out she was a Chicago Tribune reporter. And I ended up being on the first page of the the tempo section of the, uh, the Tribune the next day. Fast forward, I go see Rent, and it, I'm floored by it. Floored, floored, floored by it, right? Uh, some of the original cast, but, you know, a lot of the replacements, but still on Broadway, and, it, you know. And I remember getting out of the cab and meeting up with my friends because I was the only one who went to see Rent because everybody had already seen it. And I, and I met up with my friends, and I hadn't said a word like from the time I was, you know, standing ovation till the time I got in the cab and drove. And then my friend asked me, he's like, so how was it? And I haven't told this story. It's weird. It's kind of affecting me. But it, it, it said, I said, with tears starting to stream down my eyes, I am going to go to, I am going back to Chicago and I am going to become the biggest actor in the fucking world. Yeah. Like it was the most empowering yeah. like Broadway the power of Broadway and the yeah. power of theater yeah. and the power that inspires you to then want to be like you said have the confidence to put yourself out there is is a is an amazing thing but then to turn around and in your own career to have the person that you saw as your inspiration at the beginning of your career to now as you're now coming into your own you get to work with that person yeah that's pretty cool. It's very special. Plus, it's also for me. It's a feeling of um, of validation that like I'm I'm making the right choice. Girl, it's the, the universe mind, telling you, know? you you're on the right road. Exactly. Yeah. It definitely feels that way. And and especially right now too, like with with Into the Woods, like some of the people that I'm working with now in this cast, it's just it's a dream. It's a it's a dream. Uh, and you live in the dream. Yeah. That's what we're doing. We live in that's yeah. it. No, it's it does it does it it feels like just such a huge blessing. Yeah. Um, and what I was touching on with Into the Woods earlier, but I didn't finish um, uh -huh. saying was what I think is so special about this, and why I really um, I want to give credit to the producers for making this choice is to make it a multicultural uh, cast, and specifically the family. So the stepmother mm -hmm. playing and the two stepsisters, they wanted specifically to be Asian, which I loved. You so know. is Cinderella Asian too? Cinderella's not Asian. What the hell? She's not, well, but she's the stepdaughter. She's adopted. So she's technically yes. She's adopted. Yes. But why the ugly girls yes. gotta be the Asian girls? No, oh no, no, she's beautiful. It's no, 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 no. Oh. The ugly stepsisters no, no, no. gotta be. Actually, the they're not ugly stepsisters. Oh, they're not ugly. No, Sondheim wrote it that we are um, the narrator because we have a narrator okay, okay, that okay. talks us through okay. the whole. Okay. So they're not ugly. So it's beautiful of face. 
but, but black ugly and this. Uh, okay, that's yeah. okay. So I don't care about Viola so, Hart. Yeah, I want my Asian girls to look good on stage. Okay, <laughs> they could be evil as shit. But yeah, like, they should. Because be I'm gonna tell you right now. I at first I was like, what are they gonna cast Adeline? Is she gonna be Cinderella? Because she should be Cinderella. Oh, thank you, Adeline. The Sierra is, is is being played by Sierra Bogus, who is phenomenal. Awesome. And Broadway star, whole deal. So it's gonna be. Great. So you need to go see this lady at the Hollywood Bowl. Multicultural Into the Woods. July 26th through 28th. Edlin O'Connell, thank you so much for being on the show and being one of my crazy funny Asians. Oh, thank and, you. Anytime. And, you know, yeah, come back because I would, I'd love to. We'll, we'll, we'll do other shows where we'll yes. you have group things and yes. have group talk and like yes. figure it out. Yes. Guys, that's been Crazy Funny Asians. Stay tuned because we're going to have two episodes. I'm uploading this one. This is Monday. Happy Monday, and then this Friday, we're going to have another one, and it's going to be my homie from Baby Driver, Mr. Lanny June. That's right. Dude, they got ended up in the, in the trunk, but he had all the funny parts at the beginning and stole the show. That's who's going to be on my show, Lanny June, Baby Driver. Stay tuned. Friday's coming. <sighs> Crazy Funny Asians! Bye.